The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello. Welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the co-founder and producer of the podcast. Just a reminder that if you would please subscribe, not if, but please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating. That way, when people Google podcasts about addiction, ours will come up. Also, please go to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up on our videos and ring the bell so that you get notified when new videos go up. Today's episode is episode number 288, and we have an interview today with a woman whose name might be familiar to you. Her name is Mary Bono. She was a member of Congress from California for 15 years. She's co-founder of the Prescription Drug Abuse Caucus, author of Drug Abuse Prevention Legislation. She's chairman of the board of the Community Anti-Drug Coalitions of America. She's chairman of the board of Mothers Against Prescription Drug Abuse. And she's serving on the board of Safe Project, Stop the Addiction Fatality Epidemic. So without further ado, let's talk to Mary Bono. Mary Bono, thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast today. I'm really excited to talk about a lot of what you've worked on in this whole area of the addiction epidemic. Well, thanks, Joni. It's so nice to be here with you. I mean, you guys are larger than life with what you're doing and bringing these messages out to the public. So uh, I know this might be a tough interview, but I am thrilled and delighted to meet you and to work with you today on this. Thanks for what you do. Yeah. Thank you. So tell us, what's your background, just in a nutshell, you grew up here, you know, this was your life, you got into political office, you mentioned something about your son, just give us kind of your background that leads up to why you even, why we're even talking to you today. Well, it's, it's um, a long story, like for most of us, it's always a long story. Um, So as a child, I grew up with a, my mother had an alcohol use disorder and I, my father was a professor of medicine and, and, you know, this is a long time ago. I'm, I'm almost 61. So this is 50 years ago. And my father was enlightened enough to already say that alcoholism was a disease and not a moral failing. So I sort of grew up with that feeling about any sub- substance use disorder, that it's a disease. Um, but then fast forward over time. And as we know, the addiction and SUDs can run in the family oftentimes. So, um, my son developed an opioid use disorder while in high school. He thought that Oxycontin was a safe drug because it came in a convenient little brown bottle with a doctor's name on it. And um, so when he started using and unfortunately became addicted to Oxycontin, he knew it was safe to reach out to both to me and my father, that we would treat him as, um, as a patient and somebody struggling with something rather than a failure, as a failing human. Um, so I started a whole new journey, and I, I'm proud to say that my son is now 34 and just got his master's degree in clinical psychology, and he wants to go into, into that field. Um, but, you know, I, I, he's started this in high school, as I said, and as a member of Congress at the time, and it's like, holy cow, here my sitting member of Congress, and my son is struggling, and through his struggles, I learned that this was affecting a lot of kids in Southern California, a lot. And both in, in our county, my congressional district, and in Orange County and Los Angeles County, 
but it was still, still sort of a silent epidemic. Um, people were afraid to talk about it. And when I began to talk about it in Congress, it was funny. I sat down on the floor of Congress next to the member of Congress from Kentucky. His name is Hal Rogers, and he's a legend and a true leader in this, in this work. And I said to him, you know, it's not just Appalachia that is suffering from OxyContin and the distribution of, of Oxy. It's happening everywhere. And he and I were sort of the lone people who were championing this issue at that point in time. We were fighting our sort of for other members of Congress who, first of all, were in denial or had no idea this was happening. Plus we were fighting pharma and pharmaceutical companies like Purdue, of course. Um, and it was impossible for us to get traction. I literally used to sit in congressional hearings and slide over articles to other members of Congress about people dying in their district from Oxycontin. Any of it. So, what year so was started, that, Mary? What that year was, was that? 2007, 2008. Wow. I know. And, and it so, was already out of control across the country, not just in Appalachia. It everywhere. was, but it was swept under the rug as addiction tends to be because of the stigma. People are embarrassed because it's a moral failing. Well, and the pharmaceutical but, companies provide a lot of money to certain people. Oh, you can almost go through my hearing transcripts and read what people said, members of Congress said during that, and then go back to their financial records to see who donated to them that week. And it's a very, you can see it. You can see the influence of money um, from Purdue and, and other opioid manufacturers in fighting against us in these hearings. Yep. Um, and one member of Congress even told me years later, he apologized. Um, he was my ranking member on, on a committee I was the chairman and he said, you know, Mary, I used to think that you were just a mom on a weird crusade, that this was personal to you and that, um, and that you were over-emotionalizing it. And I'm sorry for that. Um, so in any event, so I kind of got lost wow. on who I am and what I do and why I'm here. Um, but so I started that work way back when, and then when I left, I, so I chaired committees, I, I co-created with Hal Rogers, the caucus on prescription drug abuse um, and then when I left Congress, um, I was recruited right away to a law firm um, as a non-lawyer partner principal um, to, to continue work. And I was thrilled that I could stay in this because I, I used to say in Congress, there are issues that you do and there are issues that you are. And this is an issue that I am. Um, I can't, I was talking to a colleague in this business, another advocate yesterday. So I don't know why I can't quit. Why can't I go join some museum board? <laughs> And talk about beautiful paintings. Why do I live this every day? I just, I do. And um, like, like you and your husband, I mean, it's what we do. And it's a crusade. Because even, even though your son is in recovery and he's doing well, this problem has not gone away. This opioid epidemic is still taking lives every single day. And you're a responsible person. And you can't just look at that and go, oh, you know, I think, yeah, I think I'll go be on the board of a museum and help pick out art. Sure, why not? I get it. I, well, I you tell know what's, what's sad, and I'm sure you feel the same way. You know, so I, when I was talking to this mother yesterday, every year I meet new parents who, who, who've lost a child. A year from now, we're going to meet more parents. And it's heartbreaking to know that what work are we missing? What are we not doing? What are we not getting right to prevent meeting this group of parents that we're going to meet ahead? And I think that's what the motivation is. Um, anybody who's lived through this 
um, feels a responsibility to protect other parents from the pain and suffering. You know, my story's different because my son has survived it. And, um, you know, his, his journey has been rough. I think everybody who has lived with somebody with any SUD knows it's a tough journey. Yep. And the biggest enlightenment that people, parents need to understand is do not expect I'm going to send my child away to rehab for 30 days and they're going to come back fixed. It's, it, and I think a lot of parents misunderstand that. It's, it's a life, it's a, it's a long process. Exactly. It involves a lot of people. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So you also authored legislation, correct? What was I that? did. What was that? Well, <laughs> I did a number of things, but again, um, they were before their time. Most of the Congress wasn't paying attention or had other influences pushing back, but lots of different things. One of which was to uh, re reschedule OxyContin, make it harder to get. Um, one, you know, and one was um, to educate doctors more on how they prescribe opioids. That didn't go over very well. Yep. <laughs> um, so a number of things that we tried to do, which I'm happy to say, have all sort of come to fruition now, either through legislation or you know other means. But um, those were some of the early early bills. But you know, but then when I left Congress, I also was recruited by President Obama's drug czar to uh, his name is Gil Kurlikowski but to join the board of CADCA, Community Anti-Drug Coalitions of America, which I'm proud to say I'm currently the chairman of the board of. So um, that's one organization. I serve on two other nonprofits in this space as well. Mary, what does that organization do, CADCA? What does it do? CADCA is... Dan Carity, if I'm being honest, is the new powerful podcast to listen to. Dan is a globetrotting television personality, a choreographer to stars like Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake, a loving husband and father, and a man struggling with addiction and anxiety. On his podcast, he shares ugly truths from his life in front of and away from the camera, and those of his courageous guests as well, from the world of entertainment, sports, media, and medicine, such as NFL player Ryan Leaf, pioneer DJ Don Diablo, actor and comedian Jamie Kennedy, and many more. So check out his new podcast, Dan Carity, If I'm Being Honest, on Spotify, Apple, and Google, or go to his website, www.dancarity.com. That's www.dancarity.com. It, it's fabulous. It, uh, it, it uh, create, helps create and manage and inspire and uh, in you know community coalitions around this country and a community coalition is built of a number of folks from various sectors private sector law enforcement education advocates um, and they come together in their own community to enact change and uh, and make a difference and what's beautiful about it is that coalition is empowered to do what they see as best but CADCA gives them best practices and kind of guides them through what they ought to be doing um, there are two large meetings every year, which over 3,000 people come to um, to learn how best to to work within their communities on basically it, it, it's a CADCA is primarily a prevention organization. So how do we prevent kids from starting drugs in the first place? 
Um, and it's a thing of beauty because the, the folks who are involved with CADCA are very, very passionate. Um, when you come to a CADCA event, you'll see this passion and this desire. I mean, people are so upbeat and believe so much in their communities and they invest so much time and treasure in, in it. Um, that that's, that's CADCA in a nutshell. They also are major influencers, influencers on the national stage for policy. Interesting. Uh, I, their policy consultant is Sue Thaw, and she's probably one of the best uh, minds on public policy in this space that I've ever come across. Wow. Yeah, I, I you make me you make me wonder if there's a community coalition in our area, but I'm going to check it out after we talk today. But I think that you know, and I think you would agree that it's going to take every single community to act on a community level to really get a hold of this epidemic, or I, I like to call it a pandemic, because a lot of it, as you say, starts with prevention and education, and that that really has to go in in a big way. You're, you're also involved with other nonprofits. Tell me about those. You've got your fingers in lots of pies here. <laughs> Told you I should find a museum. <laughs> um, I serve as chairman of the board of a very small nonprofit, but we pack a huge punch above our weight called Mothers Against Prescription Drug Abuse. And it's an entity that was formed in 2011 um, by three mothers who lived in my congressional district and they each lost a son to an overdose. Uh, in about two, the end of 2018, the, the chairman asked me if I would uh, take over as chair of the organization. Uh, it's, it's a small organization. We, we, we want to stay that way. We don't want employees. We don't want overhead. Um, we want to make change, uh, both by helping other nonprofits. Like there are a lot of nonprofits in this space. It's hard to find something that already isn't happening or being touched on. So we instead try to collaborate with other nonprofits and help them or, and bring them together and collaborate. And we always, of course, we're stronger together. Um, so that's sort of our goal. It's again, a small nonprofit. Um, the other thing we do is we tend to, uh, weigh in, we're a C3, not a 501C4, so we can't get too much into the advocacy. We do not lobby. But when we see somebody has introduced a bill that we like, we do what we can to help them on the federal level or the state level. For example, Senator Bennett of Colorado just dropped a bill this week. Um, There's something that this little map to Mothers Against Prescription Drug Abuse has supported, and it is to have to, to, to pay for a ride-along in a police car um, of a behavioral health expert. So if there's a, a call that's a nonviolent crime, but it could be an overdose or uh, family disturbance or a whole bunch of maybe, you know, nonviolent, um, th- there's a behavioral health expert on the scene to sort of uh, bring that level of, of understanding, I think, um, and support to individuals rather than always coming at them with the law. Uh, so, so Senator Bennett has a, has a bill to to fund this. It's something that MAPTA has supported financially here in our hometown. Uh, it's something that we believe in. So we'll do what we can to help him get the word out about what we believe this is a successful program. Yep. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or 
call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes, the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years' experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. I think that that's valuable because we had our local sheriff on the podcast way back in the beginning, and he said, you know, we're not going to law enforce our way out of this problem. You know, just arresting people who are misusing drugs and alcohol, that, that doesn't solve a problem. So I think that's a, I think that's a, a good idea. Um, Wait, but more. Jenny, interesting is you're the, the point of no return. Often that no return is being arrested. Oftentimes the light bulb goes off for people that have hit bottom. I've been arrested. This is not that's good. Yep. Um, so there's a fine line. And again, um, you cannot incarcerate at your way out. You won't. But we also don't want to remove um, when pe- some people realize, uh oh, I've, I've spiraled out of control and this proves that and I need help. So I think as we what we've come so far in the 15 years I've been doing this so, so far, and we still have a long ways to go. But there are positive signs here and there. And I think this ride along is an example of sort of uh, moving with the times. I, I agree. I think it's yeah. a great I think it's a, a, a great idea. And other nonprofits you're involved in. You're going to the give me the quick overview of all of them. The last nonprofit is Safe Project. And I know you've had Admiral Winnefeld and uh, Brandy Izquierdo on your show before. So I'm, I serve on, on their board. Um, I had ironically met Admiral Winnefeld in 2000 prior to 9-11 even. And he was the skipper of the USS Enterprise. I was a member of Congress and I spent the day with him. Uh, well, not with him, on his on the Enterprise. Um, and I got to know his wife, Mary, a little bit that day. Then ironically, fast forward to, you know, almost four years ago, and 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 I read about Admiral Winnefeld and Mary losing their son, Jonathan, but I had forgotten that I'd met them. Hmm. I just happened to reach out to them. My, my husband's also an admiral. And um, so through their network, I reached out to Sandy and Mary, and I said, like, forgive me for intruding, but I'd like you to know this is the work I do and want to be helpful. And you and Mary, (laughs) we met. It's like, okay, that's really great, but it's also really weird and very motivating. Back to my point on, I wasn't really thrilled that I met another parent that my work for all of these years, you know, did all of our work for all these years didn't matter. Here's yet another parent and an amazing set of parents. And this happened to their son. So um, so safe project is, is the third and, and probably final board at this point in time, nonprofit board that I'll serve. Until a museum on. comes up and asks. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just kidding about the museum. It just sounds so, but you know, something that, um, safe project and MAPTA and Panic have all worked on is drug disposal and the importance of getting unused medications 
out of your medicine chest or out of your home. And, you know, everybody has this notion that, oh, I've got some opioids. You and I have talked about broken wrists. Yeah. So if we have opioids, let's hang on to them for a rainy day. We might need this. But, you know, we're saying, look, people with a drug-seeking behavior are going to go through our home, go through our medicine chest, and perhaps find these drugs. And then either they will take them or they'll distribute them to people who don't need them. Yep. So we've all supported, um, well, first of all, the DEA take-back day. We all support wholeheartedly, but we support safe in-home drug disposal and deactivation. And this is a very simple way of getting rid of those opioids. You open it up, pour in your opioids. There's activated charcoal in here that uh, it basically adsorbs the chemical, throws more water, seal it up, shake it up, and throw it in the trash. You know, that's and, huge, Mary. Where does someone get one of those? Uh, you can find them online at deterra.com, or I would go to deterra.com. Safe Project has had a wonderful program over the past couple of years called Gone for Good, where you can reach out to Safe Project, which is safe pro- www.safeproject.us, right. and request a pouch as well for free. Because um, I had my own experience. I was, I was prescribed, I think it was oxycodone, when I strained my back. Now, I was also prescribed steroids. The steroids handled it. I never even opened the oxycodone. But then I got home, and what do I do with it? And so I called local pharmacies to say, will you take them back? They said no. And I went down to my local police department, and there was this box in the lobby that says you can drop your drugs here. It was closed. I couldn't do it. So there I am. And I'm Googling, you know, no, don't flush them down the toilet. You know, I'm Googling to try and find out what do I do with these pills. And I I just want to say it again. It's Deterra. It's D-E-T-E-R-R-A. And you can get it from safeproject.us. And you can probably get it from other places as well. But it's important. I I would think I would just want to have one of those around the house. Because, yeah, I had Percocet for my arm. And I think I ended up with about three of them left that I didn't need to take. And I... I'm not going to tell you what I did, but I didn't get a Terra bag and I probably should have, but I didn't flush it down the toilet. I did get Thank rid of it you. so that I don't think anybody can do anything with it. But um, yeah, anyway. Well, you know, and we've wrestled with the FDA a lot over this. And if you've watched the history of the FDA over this disease, the opioid epidemic, it's as if the left hand doesn't talk to the right um, or and they don't talk to NIDA, the you know, National Institutes of Drug Abuse or, and for them to say, A, flush them down the toilet is just stupid. I mean, it's like our water, you're finding, I don't know how many contaminants in our water, one of which is opioids. Right. It, it's just a bad idea. So we yeah. have gotten them to sort of, they've put a little footnote on their page now about, oh, there are way, other ways to do this. But the other thing is when they say mix your drugs with kitty litter and coffee grounds, they clearly have never been around anybody with a drug-seeking behavior. Somebody who's in an active addiction who would do anything to get the drugs that they need at that time. You know, I, I've, I've seen it firsthand. I, I, I've seen it with many people, but when they are going through withdrawals, it is intensely painful. Yep. And there isn't anything they won't do to fix that pain, to quiet that pain. And I'm surprised the FDA thinks that somebody in that sort of pain won't go through coffee grounds or kitty litter to find the medication. So yep. we've been hustling with them for years on trying to get them to understand this. Well, uh, we won't yeah. we won't go down the road of the FDA. We've had a couple of different interviews on uh, um, the series Dope Sick and the uh, new book just released, American Cartel. And yeah, like the like the former FDA employees who now work for pharmaceutical companies, we won't talk about that. 
Okay. Yeah, don't, don't mention it, Joni. No, I'm not going to mention it. I didn't say it. So what, what's next, Mary? What's on the, what's coming up? Are there that, that our listeners would maybe would want to know about in terms of what you're working on? Well, with, with MAPTA, one thing we're excited about is we're, we're starting a little campaign very slowly, but we're, we're talking about our, our campaign is called the greatest gift is a conversation because, um, you know, we're, we're, Joni, we're, as you know, we're losing this battle. We're absolutely losing. And, and the numbers are so sad and terrifying and tragic. Um, but people, I, I talked to somebody whose daughter was going off to freshman year at college in a couple of weeks. I said, have you had to talk with her yet about fentanyl? Oh, no, she's a good kid. She knows not to take a pill. It's like, well, let me tell you something. Okay, but she doesn't know that when somebody says, here's an Adderall, it'll help you study. And one Adderall can be deadly. And so they, you know, and this is what is happening more and more to, to parents, but of course, to victims of, of fentanyl poisoning, they think that there's no room for error any longer. <laughs> this isn't like when we were kids, we could be stupid for a long time and generally outlive it. Um, you could dabble with whatever you wanted to 30 years ago, 20 years ago, heck, 10 years ago. Now it's one pill. And everybody needs to have that conversation. If you're a parent, it's hard because our kids don't listen to us because we're dumb and stupid and don't know anything. And we just want to spoil their fun, <laughs> all that stuff. But it can be a sister. It can be a brother. Um, a parent should try. Because I think, again, there's no room for error. I was, I was trading emails with a drug czar from Arkansas the other day. And he was saying, you know, this is just not the same. We have to go full-blown prevention because we have to tell kids don't even try the supposed, God, it looks so good. It looks exactly like the real thing. And I got it from a friend, a trusted source. Yep. yep. And um, so our next thing is this, uh, the greatest gift is a conversation. Cool. And our other next thing is we're trying to work on a new campaign. I think when I look at a lot of these nonprofits, not necessarily the ones I serve on, but um, we've got to broaden our audiences we speak to each other. We speak to passionate advocates who are on the prevention side, the parenting side, but the kids who need to hear this aren't hearing it. So our next efforts are going to be getting around the typical advocacy channels and going directly to those kids. Um, and, and that's what has to happen. I think we have to throw the kitchen sink at this. Mm -hmm. um, and prevention is tough because they do think, I don't know, you know, exploring and experimentation is a part of a, a growing up and a rite of passage, but it's, it's not any longer. And okay. there are people intentionally poisoning our children. So that's where we're going next. Understood. I, I think that that's, that's super important. Mary, thank you for talking to us today. Thank you for sharing everything that you're doing and shedding the light, just more light on this whole situation. I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, I appreciate what you do again. And I think this is a small club that we're all in it to help each other. So anything we can do to help you and trust me, we will, <laughs> we will bother you to help us as, as needed. So thank you for what you do. Thank you so much for listening to the interview today. Some names that I want to make sure you remember that our um, interviewee, Mary Bono, mentioned was the Community Anti-Drug Coalition of America, known as CADCA. If you wanted to start a coalition in your area, there is actual federal money to help you get going. 
course, the caveat is when you get federal money, you got to make a difference. But I am fairly certain that you would make a difference, whoever you are. There's also Mothers Against Prescription Drug Abuse, MADPA, and they are going to be looking in different communities to get um, in opinion leaders, if you will, to talk to young people about drugs. And then the other nonprofit that she talked about was Safe Project, which is safeproject.us, and that is also a resource for you. So reach out. Don't think that you are the only one going through this. Don't get caught up into the guilt or the shame. Just get active, get something done, reach out. You know, we have a longtime advertiser on the podcast, Bobby Newman. Bobby is an interventionist with a very high percentage success rate. So if your loved one is in the middle of addiction and needs help, reach out. Okay? Thank you so much for listening today. We'll be back with another interview. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.